0: I'm ready.
1: So this is interesting. We're recording outside today. So there may be some background noise. There may be some animals. We're trying to be COVID safe here. And I'll post the pictures up on uh, the Instagram. I'd like to welcome you guys. This is an aviation history podcast, which looks at events in aviation history, like air disasters, accidents, incidents, mishaps, and sometimes just the history of aviation and, and related events. I'm Shannon Baker. I'm uh, your host. I'm the creator of this podcast. If you want to know what qualifies me to do this podcast, you'll have to go listen to episode zero and you can learn all about me there. If you want to see pictures of the events and enhance your experience, you should follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, both at AluminumTube. You can also email me at AluminumTubePodcast.com. At gmail.com. If you want to see the pictures that I post of these episodes, you can find them on Instagram, both in the highlights and in the gallery part. Okay, so if you've listened to other episodes, you already know that I always have a co-host who is not an aviation expert and their role is to ask questions that will help you better understand what actually happened. So my co-host today is, is Cindy Wallach. How are you, Cindy?
0: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. So you're a sailboat captain extraordinaire. You also own my ex-dog, my ex-goat. <laughs> And I have a question for you. Yes. Can you take my ex-wife? She's up to date on her shots, I promise.
0: I will absolutely take her. I adore her.
1: Perfect. I'll, uh, I'll drop her by. <laughs> like I said, today we're outside, actually, in Hawaii. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were just interrupted by a little girl, a little boy, and a baby chicken. We're on a farm.
1: You're listening to Inside the Aluminum Tube. This podcast has adult language and sometimes contains graphic descriptions of accidents and incidents, often resulting in death. If you're scared to fly, proceed with caution.
0: Sir, are your pants meowing? Yeah, are you interested? Pull up. No, the plane is about to crash.
1: Wind shear. You're looking a little anxious, Kent. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm. Increase climb. Only if you really need me to.
0: Threw his clothes off, had an accident, <laughs> got his tree, and went night night.
1: Fifty. 40. Oh,
0: so like some dumb bro shit.
1: Okay, cool, 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 cool. Thirty, twenty. I'm sorry, I'm a little overwhelmed by what you just said.
0: Ten. Hence being poked in the rear in the middle of the aisle.
1: Climb now. Given
0: the context that you've given me, this does not sound like a good plan.
1: Clear of conflict. Before we get started, let's learn a little bit about you. So tell me the basics or the details, like I don't care what you had for breakfast, whatever you feel like sharing.
0: Well, I've known you. What do new. you
1: do? What do you do well, and my, stuff like that? Tell me saying, all that my, stuff. My
0: connection to you is that we met when our when our oldest kids were babies. Yep. And that's our connection. And, and we all hit it off right away. We have boys the same age. I live on a sailboat. I've lived on a sailboat for 22 years now. And I work in television production. Right. Yeah. And I love to fly, but other than, you know, liking to go places, that's all I know about planes.
1: You live on a sailboat. So I do. So it's interesting. I mean, it's a little bit different. <laughs> I
0: it's, it's so normal for me now because it's been so long. But right. my kids were born and raised on the boat. We don't have another residence. We don't have a storage space. That's our whole world on the. It's a forty-four foot catamaran.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on your boat. It's a little tight for me, but you know, it's a it's little. It's not bit different. a tall
0: person's boat. You're no, a tall person. No, that's true. We're all tr- short people. Uh, that's so true. It works for us. You know, it's a more outdoor-oriented life. So, which is why in the winter we're here in Hawaii.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> on my parents' farm.
1: I agree with that. So yeah, being uh, yeah, getting away from the boat in the winter because what do you normally like wrap it in plastic, right?
0: We do. Yeah, yeah. we call it the bubble.
1: Oof, oof.
0: And uh, that gets a little crazy making. I mean, we've done it all winter long and it's doable, but but we are uh, grateful to have this little escape and that my parents have a farm and that we can live both lives. Yeah. The boat life and the farm life.
1: So you've listened to my other episodes, right?
0: I have. They're riveting.
1: Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I have a normal flow, but... Lately, I've been straying off of it because I've kind of been flexing a little creativity. That my normal flow works well in a traditional incident or accident, but it doesn't always work when I want to branch out creatively, like I said.
0: I can't wait. It's been a long time since anyone read me a bedtime story.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm going to do today. So I'm just going to read you a story.
0: All right, let's do it. I'm ready.
1: So the year is 1989. Mm. What do you remember about
0: 1989? Uh, Madonna?
1: <laughs> yeah, Michael Jackson, Madonna, right? Uh, what, what else? OJ. Bad Wait, fashion. OJ hadn't killed Nicole yet, right? I
0: don't think, I don't so. think so. I don't I think so. I think that was so. like
1: 1990 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so I yeah. guess
0: I was in high school. Yep. And I was in high school in Kansas. Those were some dark years.
1: Okay, I was an eighth grader. Most important to our story, what happened in 1989, is Richard Russell was born in Key West, Florida. Okay. When he was seven, his family moved to Wasilla, Alaska.
0: Ooh, that's a commute.
1: Yeah, you can see Russia from there, according to Sarah Palin. <laughs>
0: that's right. Okay, right.
1: Remember that? Yeah. Because <laughs> she was the mayor. But yeah, so he lived in Wasilla. At some point, he gained the, he gained the nickname of Bebo, and that's what his friends and family called him. Uh, Richard was, was a gregarious youth, very outgoing, a star athlete, and he went to Wasilla High School. He played football, he competed in track and field. He graduated in 2008. After he graduated, he moved to Coos Bay, Oregon. Okay. Right next to North Bend, Oregon. Uh, he attended Southwestern Oregon Community College. When he was there, he met Hannah. Something. Straisner.
0: Hannah S.
1: Yeah, Hannah. All right. Um, and they met at a church gathering in 2010. Richard really liked Hannah from the very beginning, okay? And she said of Richard's first advances, quote, I shut him down hard. Whew, Girl. hmm
0: <laughs> Okay. Yeah. She's not messing around.
1: Nope. But Richard didn't give up. And they actually, the couple ended up marrying in January of 2012. So you, you kind
0: of wonder what happened in I between do. that changed her mind, but okay. Yeah,
1: I do, I do too. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, he marries Hannah. Richard had floated the idea of owning a bakery with Hannah from their very first date. She was not elated with the idea, but he knew that she was a trained culinary, I guess, expert. She had gone to culinary school,
0: but he didn't bake.
1: He didn't bake. He's
0: like, "Hey, baby, can you do all the cooking?" He was basically let's like, "Let's open a bakery." Yeah, he was basically
1: like <laughs> from the very beginning of the date. He was like, "Oh, let's open a bakery." And
0: if you're not rolling the dough at 4 a.m.,
1: um, anyway, Richard floated the idea. Hannah didn't like it. He knew she was trained, but two months after their wedding, in early March 2012, they opened Hannah Marie's artisan breads and pastries in north bend oregon um, which is right next to coos bag yeah hannah was 21 richard was 22 okay so they're young and they're getting after it i guess right i mean the bakery but there's no
0: airplanes yet we're getting there just dough okay got it
1: just dough just dough so far (laughs) this
0: is great okay
1: this is from a news article from north bend oregon okay they rose at 5 a.m preparing breads and pastries in a shop that was little more than an oven a sink, and a couple of counters. They worked until late in the evening, but they had very different personalities. Mm. Hannah was very detail-oriented. She ran the whole bakery. Richard was more laid back and eager to experiment with new and wild recipes.
0: Eager to experiment, meaning, can I taste that honey and not do any of the work? It sounds
1: like a mom and a kid it to does. me. I, or I he know. just anyway.
0: wants to like do it in the dough.
1: Maybe. Yeah, could be. You know <laughs> what I'm saying?
0: What like, have you ever done it in a bakery?
1: <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever done it in a bakery.
0: We'll just let the imagination go anyway. and then move forward.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but they're getting the bakery off they're, the ground. Yeah,
0: but it's all her.
1: They're trying, and it's pretty much all her.
0: Yeah, and he's eating. Okay, right. got it.
1: They struggled for a bit in the new bakery. They often had fights in the early days, but the bakery became popular with the locals. The couple seemed happy, and they even had a chalkboard on the back wall of the bakery that had a handwritten Bible verse, Oy. a little cliche, but that said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I will build you up again, and you will be rebuilt. Okay. That's what the chalkboard said. Okay. Okay, but anyway.
0: And they're talking about each other, not the bread. Because um, that could be like a sourdough starter. Like you just keep building it up again, and it's everlasting. I think it may be,
1: I mean, I think it maybe it's all those things, okay. right? I think it's maybe like the bread, the god and Mm -hmm. them their relationship and her
0: patience for him
1: (laughs) oh goodness which i'm sure she had extensive patience for him they ran the bakery together for three years okay they sold it in 2015 to be to be closer to hannah's family and hannah was from the seattle area okay the couple moved back to washington state they settled in sumner washington where Richard got a job at Horizon Air as a ramp agent. Okay. I'll go over what a ramp agent is, this is in, a, in just a second. Horizon Air is a regional airline that's based at SeaTac, Seattle, Tacoma Airport, right? That's just the big airport there. Yeah. And Horizon is a wholly owned subsidiary of Alaska Airlines. Okay. So, they so are, who owns who? Alaska Air Group actually owns a Horizon.
0: Okay, got and it. And Horizon
1: is their regional carrier. Okay. Right? All the Horizon flights are sold by Alaska and operated as Alaska Airlines.
0: Now, does Horizon Airlines still exist today?
1: It does. Okay. Yeah, Horizon's still around. Um, remember we're just talking about 2015 right. now, yeah. right? So okay. it wasn't that long ago. The planes operated by Horizon are co-branded as Alaska Horizon, and they also have another partner called SkyWest. Okay. But SkyWest isn't wholly owned, it's just a partner of theirs. Richard works as a ramper for Horizon. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Horizon first, and then we'll go back to the okay. stuff. So, Horizon started operations in September of 1981. It was purchased by the Alaska Air Group in November of 1986. They continued to fly as a separate branded airline until 2010, when Alaska Airlines pivoted, making them just a regional carrier, the regional carrier that they are now. Okay. They've operated a variety of aircraft over the years, but by the time Richard was hired... They are only flying the Bombardier uh, Dash 8 Q400, which is a 76-seat turboprop.
0: So that's a tiny plane. Tiny-ish.
1: 76 seats. It's actually pretty big. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. It's pretty big. We'll talk about that in a second. I'll All show right. you a picture. Actually, I'll show you the picture right now because you're asking about it. So.
0: Oh, okay. I never. When I hear turboprop, I think little, but that's...
1: Right, but this is a big turboprop, and okay. this is one of the biggest turboprops in commercial service. I see. Um, Very, very large. It has the same diameter as a 737. The fuselage is as round as a 737. So it's quite big. Okay. It's fast. It's got the wings on top and the engines kind of mounted on the wings to hang underneath. So
0: turboprop means there's propellers and a jet too?
1: Turboprop means that it is a propeller that is driven by a jet engine. Got it. Like a car that is electric. The electric motor drives the wheels. In this case, a jet engine turns the propeller.
0: Okay. Why would they make a plane that way? So
1: it's made that way because it's more efficient. Oh, okay. They can use a smaller engine, which burns less fuel, to turn the bigger propeller to make everything efficient and to carry more weight. But this is also why they're a little slower. Okay. And they don't go as far. Got it. But they're great for a regional market. Say this... Dash 8 Q400 would fly from Spokane to Seattle or to Portland or even down as far as San Francisco, Seattle to San Francisco. A couple hours. Yeah. Oh, Let's talk about how things were at Horizon. Okay. At this time in 2015 in the company culture of Horizon, it's in a pretty steep decline as far as morale. They are having a pilot shortage, a severe pilot shortage. The major carriers are hiring a lot of their pilots away. Horizon's employees are seeing a lot of SkyWest airplanes on the ramp, who is their other partner, Okay. and less Horizon airplanes. So you can imagine, like, Alaska is the main carrier. Yeah. And they're kind of, like, using the contractors more than they're using, like, their own people. Oh,
0: that's not good. So
1: there's a little, you know, so people are a little nervous about if they're going to be able to keep their jobs.
0: Right. Okay.
1: So there used to be a carrier called Virgin America. And in 2016, Alaska Airlines bought Virgin America. And they kind of tried to merge them together, so, so they Alaska
0: almost, owns all these little airlines.
1: Yeah, like Alaska a mama airlines. chicken with
0: all their little chicks.
1: Yeah, okay. And so it's kind of absorbing, and they're 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 actively absorbing Virgin America into their group. Okay, that wrecks morale for the pilots because they have to mix some pilots in with the other pilots, right. and so the Alaska pilots who have been there for a long time, they're kind of like, "Hey, we were here first, and we're the parent company." Where are we going to put these guys? And they're normally not going to take these guys from Virgin and just kind of put them at the bottom. They're going to kind of like kind of melt them in. It's like the
0: step family. Like, hey, here's your new brothers and sisters. You get to share a room.
1: So sometimes, you know, a pilot will move up, but sometimes they'll get bumped back because Mm. somebody else kind of got in ahead of them. So anyway, it's hurting morale. A lot of the pilots did get fucked But that's for another time. Okay. Something that is interesting is that a few years earlier, Seattle had passed a $15 minimum wage. Oh. But oddly, it didn't apply to airline employees.
0: Is this getting back to our buddy, the ramp agent?
1: Yeah. So we're getting back to Richard. So Richard was working for less than a Chipotle employee.
0: Oh, good grief. And the last thing you want is a disgruntled airline employee.
1: Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) And also, Richard is doing a really hard job. Let's talk about being a ramp agent. Richard is a ramp agent. It's not an easy job, but it gives him flight privileges and he loves the flight privileges. Okay. He gets to travel around and see the world, but he's living on scraps. Mm. All right. So, scraps a,
0: of dough. A
1: wrap. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they don't
0: have the bakery anymore. No, they okay. sold it back in so 2015.
1: That makes it hard. A ramp agent is one of those guys in the yellow or green vest. They drive the little tugs around, they load bags, they throw bags, they move airplanes, they move loading belt ramps, you know. They work outside when it's cold. Right. And in Seattle it gets cold. Yeah. It's hard work. It's long hours. They work outside. They work in all weather. Richard viewed the job as a temporary job, okay? He wrote on his blog that he was pursuing his bachelor of social sciences, and hope to work his way up to a management position at Horizon Air or to join the military and go in as an officer. Okay. So Richard is working as a ramper, but that's not how he sees himself. Richard regularly complained, as did the other employees, about the management at Horizon He complained about his pay on social media, and in fairness, Richard was right.
0: As adults, don't we all know that lesson that we shouldn't complain about our employers on social media?
1: It's not good to complain on social media.
0: No, about anything, but especially about your employers.
1: Right, but also the problem with social media is social media is forever.
0: So that's something I try to teach my children, is there's no such thing as deleting. No. And that goes for text messages. That's right. Social media. Think before you send, friends.
1: Once it gets posted up there, it gets grabbed by a bot and archived forever. Forever. So this is what happened with the Capitol rioters, right? They were like on whatever (sighs) that platform was. And then somebody was able to just access the records and download them all. Yeah. Yeah. Social media is forever. So, you know. But they did us a favor. I mean.
0: Take a selfie.
1: Despite his complaints, though, Richard was hopeful for the future and remained relatively positive. At work, Richard was well-liked by his coworkers. They also called him Bebo. He was quiet, somewhat reserved. He was known as a bit of a pa- practical joker, but he was always professional when he was working. He was considered a good worker. It was noted that he was also an avid reader. Okay. Above all, he showed up on time. He did his job. And that's really what you want a ramper to do. Sure. I mean, I think that's kind of like a bar for everything. Yes. But Richard, I mean, Richard worked at it. Yeah. You know. He was a good, he was a he was a good worker, but like I said, he had complaints, and his social media posts ref, reflect a dichotomy of a low of the low wage job that he worked and the amazing travel benefits that he got. Right. He wrote on his blog talking about himself and Hannah and his friends. In this season of life, we enjoy exploring as much as possible, whether it's a day trip to one of Alaska Airlines' destinations or visiting a new area of Washington. He also wrote about just himself and Hannah, saying. We consider ourselves bakery connoisseurs and have to try a new one every place we go.
0: Wow. That'd add up. You better wear your stretchy pants if that's going to be your policy.
1: I right, agree. <laughs> you go to every bakery? Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> I mean, it sounds nice in theory, but yeah.
1: But I think the point is that it gave them something to do together. Yeah, you know they had a they had a passion. They had owned a bakery, so they kind of. I mean, they were somewhat connoisseurs.
0: Yeah, they're right? foodies.
1: They're bakery foodies. Yeah, that's it. He was quick to talk about Hannah, with whom he was clearly in love. He showered her with praise. His website is also filled with photos and videos of their travels. It was previously linked to a now closed Instagram account.
0: Oh, and they didn't have any children at this point. No. Okay. No. Footloose and fancy-free eating everything you want and traveling. Sounds pretty good to me.
1: I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much what's happening. I know he's not making the highest wages, but he does have amazing benefits. Yeah. he It's just him and Hannah, and they're traveling everywhere. There's so many pictures on there of like going to out of the country and going here and going there. That's I mean, awesome. They're going wherever Alaska Airlines can go.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, they got good benefits. I have a
0: lot of friends who are working for an air, a commercial airline, yep. pilots and flight attendants, and they don't go anywhere. And uh, I think that's criminal. I think that's actually criminal. I was, uh, you should just make me your child, so right. that I, someone's gonna take advantage of the yes, flight benefits. Yes,
1: totally agree. The wages for flight attendants and for rampers and stuff—they're not that high. Yeah. One of the best things is that you get to travel. Right. Okay. Well, let's get back to the story. Anyway, Richard was active in his local in his local community. He served as a leader at Young Life, which is a Christian youth ministry. I don't know if you know that. I've heard of it. Okay. He was very friendly. He was very willing to bring everyone in. friend of his said a lot of people that he was helping were troubled kids. And so Richard is giving back to the community. He's working as a ramper, and he's traveling a lot. Seems I mean, like a good guy. So that's that, so that's what we got so far. Okay. What do you think?
0: Um, I'm a little worried.
1: Well, obviously, and I can see <laughs> the worry Because we're your setting face, him right? up,
0: you know— is this lovely person that might be taking a fall, but so far, so
1: good. So Richard showed some interest in airplanes. He worked around airplanes, and he showed some interest in airplanes. He often flew a flight simulator at home on his computer.
0: <gasps> An epiphany about what this guy could do. Okay, let's hear so it.
1: So he flew a flight simulator at home. He flew it with his friends. You know, they, they can join, like, groups
0: Oh, honey, honey. Video games aren't real. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. (laughs)
1: He, he didn't express any desire to be a pilot though. He wanted to be in management or he wanted to be in the military. So it wasn't really, that wasn't really a thing. He wasn't going to be a pilot in 2017, a SkyWest pilot found Richard and another ramper in the cockpit of one of the airplanes. Mm -hmm. Now it's common for ramp agents to enter the cockpit. So let me be clear about that. They do things like they set the brakes Okay. They check the fuel because they've just connected the fuel. So they check the fuel. They start and stop what's called the auxiliary power unit, which is like a little generator. That you. That you, sounds
0: like something that Han Solo would say. Chewie, start the auxiliary power unit.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> exactly. And it, it is literally like that. It's like a little jet engine that lives in the back of the airplane. And all it does is provide electricity. But here's what I'm
0: thinking. Here are these minimum wage guys who don't get a lot of thrills at work. And they like get to push the buttons and play Han Solo. Oh for sure. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> and they're and they're kind of aviation enthusiasts and they're like playing simulators at home and yeah. and they're enjoying it. I okay. mean, and yeah, and they get exposure to airplanes. So, oftentimes one ramper will ride in the cockpit while the other person tugs the airplane around. Got it. So, that the brakes could be pressed in the case of what's called a breakaway? Oh. Like okay. the tug disconnects or the tow sure, bar brakes. Sure, sure, it's a safety thing. Otherwise, you'd essentially have like A runaway airplane that nobody was in to stop. That'd
0: be super bad. So
1: it would be bad. Yeah. So that's what they're there. They're there to monitor and make sure everything goes safely. Breakaways are really rare, but they do happen. Okay. I've been in an airplane that had a breakaway before. Did you?
0: Wow. Yeah. All right.
1: So it does happen. So it's important to have somebody up there. But on this day, Richard and his buddy, they weren't doing those basic things. The SkyWest pilot stood back and he watched the two rampers for a few minutes. Then the pilot confronted Richard and his friend, and he was told they were doing training to use the APU so that they could tow the airplane. But what the pilot saw was not what they said they were doing. And then the pilot noted that when confronted, they immediately left. Does that make sense?
0: It does. So was this during their working hours?
1: So it was during their working hours.
0: Okay. But they were like, oh, we weren't doing anything, and they took off. Right. Which makes them look super guilty, like they were doing something naughty.
1: So the pilot recalled that they were talking about things like how to start the engines. (laughs) Okay. How to run the autopilot. And they were running through the pilot checklist.
0: And this is stuff that's not part of their... No, this is not
1: something a ramper would do. Okay. These two guys were specifically talking about something called flows. Uh, Let me describe to you what a flow is. A flow is a physical pattern that a pilot uses to accomplish a checklist, and they have it memorized. Oh. They're carefully designed to make pilot jobs easier and more efficient while getting the airplane transition to another phase. So from not running to running. Gotcha. From taxiing to takeoff, from takeoff from landing to taxiing and from taxi to shutdown. Okay. So it's basically like a sequence of buttons that you push to transition the aircraft to the next phase. Okay, this is. Do pilots
0: ne- have to have that memorized? Yes. Or is it- okay.
1: So we do the flow and then we get the checklist and we make sure we got all the items on the checklist. Okay. It does make sense. We do the flow and then we you check it with check the checklist. Yeah. That's it. Yep. The SkyWest pilot thought that the talk of flows went beyond the normal ramp or daydreaming. Mm. And he called them out. They lied to him, and then they immediately left.
0: But the pilot reported it.
1: Yes, he reported it, and it looks suspicious okay. for sure, right? So
0: but once that's reported, is that just a slap on the wrist, or it just goes on their record?
1: So here's what I found out: the pilot called the police.
0: Oh, interesting. Which, and, and what he, this is? What year? I'm sorry. Uh,
1: this is 2000. Seventeen.
0: Oh, so we're in high security era. Yes. Yes. Got oh, it. Yeah. Okay. We're in high I'm security. with you. I'm with you.
1: So yeah, the pilot thought it was suspicious. He calls the police. He and he talks to the ramp supervisor, but nothing became of the incident. They called Richard in, and the reason it was dismissed is because a lot of rampers have aspirations to become pilots. And like
0: aspirations that are realistic, or like. Just because it looks cool. And a lot of
1: rampers do become pilots. Do they? They become rampers because they're very passionate about aviation. So they'll use the money they earn as a ramper to, like, go get oh, their pilot like there's credentials. A lot of,
0: there's a lot of training involved. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of sure. training. And, so, and it also gives them, like, hey, Alaska Airlines, I already worked for you.
0: Uh, that's what I was thinking. Right? They're so already it, in the door.
1: They're already in the door. Okay. So they can have... A better relationship with the company because they've already worked there so
0: let me ask you this as, as a passenger and this is maybe way off topic i want my pilots to come from uh pilot backgrounds you know whether they're from the military or people who started flying when they were young if someone was like slinging suitcases one day and flying the airplane a year later that doesn't make me feel great
1: <laughs> we're all really trained well though okay in fairness, we're trained really. And,
0: and that you know, there's no but I'm just saying there's 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 a lot of experience that I know you guys have and you we, wanna know that's there. We
1: do, and it does take some time to develop that experience. Okay. But to your point, that is how you do it. I mean it's you so do like start from nothing essentially and then eventually you become trained.
0: That well, and I think it's great that they're giving uh, people a pathway like that. That's excellent. And
1: in this case, the, the supervisor gives them the benefit of a doubt. It gets dismissed, and like I said, it's because rampers can be passionate about aviation. And so it's unusual, but it's not completely out of the question. But I'll say that the SkyWest pilot was not wrong to be suspicious because the level of knowledge that these two people were seeking to educate themselves on goes beyond the scope of their job, but also goes beyond the scope of a typical like hey how does this work? Right. They're like really digging into op- the operation of the aircraft, more specifically than like saying, "Oh, can you explain to me how the engines work or So it was less curiosity
0: and more like planning.
1: It's less curiosity and more like plan or practice or
0: Sure. figuring it, it out.
1: Yeah, they're figuring it out and it, and and the SkyWest pilot's not wrong. It, it looks suspicious.
0: And these two fellows were not necessarily in any kind of pilot school at that time no. or anything like that? Okay. No.
1: Nothing happens. That's 2017. Richard continues to work there. Okay. Okay. August 10th, 2018, Richard came to work that day. He clocked in around 2.30 p.m., and he was working a second shift. It was a beautiful day. It was about 75 degrees in Seattle, clear skies. Pearl Jam was playing... A charity concert to benefit the homeless that that night. And that was at Safeco Field, now T-Mobile Park. The set list, I mean, it was fucking great. They plan to play all of the good original Pearl Jam shit.
0: I love that we're bringing a good concert into this. I looked it up. Okay. I looked up the,
1: I had to look up the set list and it's wow. available. The concert was sold out. That means nearly 50,000 people were going to show up. Wow! They finished the set list with Yellow Ledbetter, by the way. Which is a great song. It
0: would be hard to have a bad Pearl Jam concert. I, I
1: agreed. Yeah. I mean, you're what, good to it go. was awesome. So there was a Bombardier Dash 8 Q400, the one we talked about already. Yes. That had flown in that afternoon from Victoria, British Columbia. It was parked on the North Ramp. It wasn't going to fly again till the following day. But before we get into any more of that, and you look nervous,
0: <laughs> I just feel like I know where this is going. Before, but I, I'm, I'm excited.
1: Okay, let's talk about the Dash 8 Q400. We talked a little bit about it. It's a turboprop. Talked about what that means. The Dash 8 was originally built by de Havilland Canada. It was introduced in 1984. De Havilland was later bought by Boeing in 1988. Then it got bought by Bombardier, which is a French-Canadian company, in 1992. Then it was bought again by a venture capital company in 2019. We don't really have to talk about that, but The Dash 8 Q400 was introduced in the year 2000. The Q stands for quiet. It's the newest model of the Dash series. It's very fast. It's pressurized. It's very comfortable. It's very quiet. It costs around $25 bucks.
0: Huh? Quiet like sneaky?
1: It's quiet. Quiet. The props are quiet, and it's quiet on the inside. It Mm. has active vibration dampening, and I don't exactly know what active vibration dampening is, but they're seeking to make this airplane, like, Really comfortable for passengers. And okay. I've ridden on them, and they are actually super comfortable. So normally I don't get in a turboprop and be like, that is great. But these are super comfortable, nice and big. Huh? And as far as from a pilot perspective, very modern. Okay. The Dash 8 is the most popular commuter turboprop ever built. And there are roughly 1,500 of them. Most of them still flying. It's very well known. It's modern. But the airplane that we're talking about today was purchased by Horizon and delivered to Horizon in 2012. That's a little history about the Dash 8 Q400 and about the specific airplane okay. that's sitting on the ramp. So the planes parked on the north cargo ramp with a bunch of airplanes. At around 7 p.m., Richard drove his tug to the north ramp. We don't actually know why he was on the north ramp, but he drove his tug to the north ramp.
0: So he wasn't necessarily supposed to go there. He just went there. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now. It wouldn't be unusual for a ramper to drive a tug to somewhere else. Sure. Because ground control doesn't know what the company needs. Like, the company could be like, hey, I need you to go get this airplane, tow it to this gate. Or I need you to go up there and fuel this airplane, or I need you, whatever. Sure. You know, so it's not unusual to see a ramp ramper driving around.
0: Yeah, there's stuff going on.
1: There's stuff He's going on. He's doing the things. It doesn't look suspicious. Okay. So we don't know why he was there, but he was there. A few minutes later, he gets off his tug. He opens the door to the Dash 8, and he climbs inside. He goes to the st- cockpit, and he starts both engines.
0: Mm-hmm. And okay. he's alone.
1: And he's alone. Okay. At this point, he gets out of the airplane, goes back to the tug. Both engines are running. Uh-oh. He hooks the tug up to the Dash 8. He turns it 180 degrees. He disconnects the tug, moves the tug out of the way, and now he's 90 degrees to runway 1-6 center. So which,
0: that's the right direction to be pointed.
1: So he's pointing basically... If he goes forward and he turns left, he'd yeah. be on the runway, 1-6 center.
0: Okay. So did he already make a no-no by not having someone on the brakes while he was, while the engines were on and he was tugging
1: it? He made a no-no by entering the airplane <laughs> there's and that starting too. the engines at all. Okay. For sure, if the engines are running and the tug is tugging it and there's only one person. Nothing is good here.
0: Everything's bad so Everything
1: far. is bad here.
0: And he's stone sober and this is the middle of the day?
1: This is 730 at night. <laughs> oh, okay. So he moves the tug out of the way. He gets back in the Dash 8. He closes the door behind him. Dun-dun. Exactly. At about 7.30 p.m., the Dash 8 taxis straight ahead, cutting off another Alaska flight and taxiing to the runway 16 center. It lines up for takeoff on a closed runway. Next to that runway is runway 16 right. On one-sixth right, there is another Alaska airline taking off. Now, the guy that he cut off, because he pulls right out in front and there's an airplane coming, that guy says that he saw the tire smoking.
0: Oof. Which means what? He was going faster?
1: This was a question I had. So I talked to my friend Lauren. Lauren was a Horizon pilot. She flew this type of aircraft as a captain. And she flew this aircraft that we're talking about today. All we could figure is that the smoke was coming from a tire that he probably dragged. Okay. Richard wasn't a pilot. He'd never taxied an airplane in real life. He tugged them around. but He never taxied
0: one. He just sat and played airplane and
1: pushed buttons. Exactly. But he never taxied one. So we think that because the Dash 8 has a lot of power, especially when it's light, Richard got a little aggressive with the throttle and he just kind of like use the brakes too hard and Now as a a pilot
0: if you're sitting there and somebody cuts you off like what would your response be if some other airplane just cut you off like that
1: if we're not told to give way okay we don't expect another airplane to be there
0: so you gotta be thinking fast
1: right at this point the alaska Airlines says hey this dash eight cut me off and the and the ground controller and the tower controller seek for the dash eight to identify itself
0: so they're they're radioing him.
1: Yeah. Hey, losing what's your, their minds. Hey, what's your intention?
0: Right. And of course he's not answering. I'm taking it.
1: He's not answering. Yeah. And he's got another airplane that's sitting over on his right. When he lines up on one six center, when you have a runway number, that means that one six means when you take off, you're going to be f- going heading one six zero, which is between zero nine zero, which is east, and one eight zero, which oh. is s- south. Okay. Right. Okay. I get that. So you're going to be a
0: compass angles.
1: Yeah, so just like you know from boats, southeast is what we're talking about. Got it. The Dash 8 begins the takeoff roll with the tower controller and the ground controller trying to contact the stolen airplane. Richard was inside. They didn't know who was in it yet his takeoff forced the plane on the parallel runway to his right to reject their takeoff and that's full of confused passengers
0: i bet and, and a there's confused like pilot and it confused everybody
1: yeah and there's like twitter and stuff that you can read where they're oh. like what the heck just happened and the pilot has to reassure them that everything is fine because he he takes it starts to take off this guy's right next to him. Right. Not not right next to him, but pretty close. Too he close. looks over there and he goes, okay, we're going to Yeah. We're gonna Taking reject. off is not we're a team sport. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. we, he shouldn't be there. <sighs> Richard, in the Dash 8, he takes off. He had southwest over Puget Sound.
0: So wait, he got it in the air?
1: Yep, he got it started. He and, got it.
0: And they, and everyone had to just stop what they were doing.
1: They closed the airport.
0: And let this little banana cake take off. Exactly. And there he goes.
1: I love banana cake because it it harkens back to the bakery. To the bakery. Right, exactly.
0: Did he like call his wife at this point or something?
1: (laughs) He doesn't talk to Hannah.
0: Poor Hannah. Girl, you can do better. Okay. Mm.
1: So the Dash 8 (laughs) takes off. Before too long, the ground controller was able to contact the thief. And it was Richard. Wow. Their long conversation was on an open frequency. (gasps) It was quickly posted to YouTube. And it is still there. Get
0: out! Oh no, I'm dying to go hear it
1: so richard so now richard is on a joyride first thing he did is he went and he flew around mount rainier okay
0: wait stop 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 is he sober he is he's stone sober being this dumb yes but like okay this is gonna end his whole career richard what are you thinking you better start
1: we get some insights into what richard Uh, is thinking so okay Is Eddie Vedder going to get involved? Eddie Vedder never gets involved, which is sad. (laughs) I
0: had to know. All right.
1: So Richard is on a joyride. All right. He goes and he flies around Mount Rainier. That's the very first thing he does. Now,
0: That's a risky maneuver. Yeah? I I mean, mean, mountains don't give way. Agreed.
1: But it's a clear day. It's
0: a beautiful day.
1: And Richard kind of knows what he's, I mean, he's not trained, but he clearly kind of knows what he's doing.
0: That doesn't matter. This is the end, Richard.
1: I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Take I, a
0: lesson, dude.
1: I read this and I just was shaking my head, going, oh. "What?" Okay. So, controllers didn't know Richard, Richard's intentions. The controllers contacted and without knowing his intentions, they called the Air National Guard. Oh, of dude. course they do, because
0: they could assume the worst, like he's gonna pull a nine eleven and yes. fly it into oh, a building or something. Totally. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So. Two F-15s are scrambled from a nearby Air Force base (gasps) to intercept the Dash 8. They're both armed with air-to-air missiles.
0: They're not messing around. No.
1: The F-15s take off. They immediately go supersonic over the sound.
0: Holy cow.
1: They slow down, and they fly along the Dash 8. Okay, wait. And they fly around it.
0: We need to pause. I mean, not for this radio conversation that's on YouTube. Yeah. So what was like, what happened in that? Like, what did he say? Like, hey, I'm just going for a ride. We
1: are getting there. I'm going okay, okay. to have, a, I have a lot of quotes. Okay, I, okay. I, I do want to address that though. I don't normally like to post audio clips. Sure. Because I find that it distracts from the continuity of the podcast. And then the other thing that it does is it feels, it can feel a little dark to me. So I prefer quotes in my own voice or in the co-host voice rather than like kind of breaking up the continuity. Yeah, But I will say that if this podcast does like, if this episode does like sort of wet your your interest, you should listen to it. And there's an unabridged version and it's wow. It Um, is. It's interesting. And like I said, he's talking on Seattle ground control frequency the whole time because wow. he doesn't know how to operate the radio. Sure. So he, whatever was in the radio when he took off is what's in there now. We, As pilots, we know how to change it. Not a big deal. Richard knows how to fly the airplane, but he doesn't know the technicals. He's
0: white-knuckling co- and just trying to stay up there. That's exactly he's what he's doing. He's not pushing any other buttons. Right. So
1: the F-15s intercept him. They slow down. They see that Richard is at the controls. They can look in the cockpit. They're right there. Yeah. They look in the cockpit, they see one guy, and Richard starts talking. Oh, boy. He starts chatting with the controller. He seems happy, and when asked what he was doing, <laughs> he said, I just want to see what it can do, <gasps> talking about the plane.
0: I, I'm still gobsmacked that he's sober.
1: He's okay. totally sober.
0: Wait, can he see the military planes next oh yes, to him? Oh, yes, absolutely. And he's still not, he's just like, all right, boys, let's go. Just whatever. All right, Yep. Okay.
1: Richard continues to fly the airplane. The controller brought on a pilot in an attempt to give Richard help landing the Dash 8 or to convince him to land the Dash 8. But Richard didn't want to know about that. Richard asked the pilot simple questions about the weather. Oh, gosh. And he said, and he he asked a question that was real interesting. He says, if there are no clouds in the sky, there's no weather. Why was it bumpy around the mountain?
0: Oh, God. So he's
1: just asking, like, these very basic questions about, like... And
0: he doesn't even get that they're all, like, in panic emergency mode and that they're trying to keep him from hurting himself, keep him from hurting people on the ground. He's just like, hey, man, teach me about planes. I think
1: he does get it. And if you listen to the audio, he he does get it, but I just don't think he's concerned.
0: Is Is he all okay in the brain department?
1: I would guess he's probably not. Okay. But I... I mean, he just...
0: Friends, that's what one too many donuts will do to you. Right. Or one too many croissants or whatever it was they were sampling.
1: Exactly. Donuts, a hell of a drug. Yeah. Okay. The pilot patiently explains all of these concepts to him. He continues his joyride. The controller is trying to carefully and cautiously get information about Richard's intentions. So he's asking... Little questions, and not he's not probing too hard, yeah. But he's trying to evaluate a threat, yes. Like, what are you going to be doing? But Richard was too busy doing barrel rolls,
0: he did an actual barrel roll,
1: he's doing barrel rolls and loops and steep turns. He is out there and he is enjoying the hell. So, where out did of he learn? This did airplane. he just learn
0: that from playing video games?
1: That's where he learned it. Stop! I know.
0: Let me tell you something. I tell my kids all the time this is not real life. You're not going to learn anything from a video game. And now Richard's proving me wrong. (sighs) Well,. So far. Okay. So
1: Richard is doing barrel rolls and loops in that huge commuter airplane I showed you. And the airplane, no big deal.
0: And so holds together, are the military guys, you know, like, whoa, he's looping. I mean, they have to loop with him?
1: No, they just fly next to him. Ooh. They just kind of fly next to him. They're just kind of cruising. And there's video on YouTube of this, too. Wow. So he's doing this in a large commuter airplane, and it just baffles me. At one point, he says to the controller, oh, man, I just threw up a little. <gasps> it's all over. Give me a second. <laughs>
0: ask you that, like, he must have a stomach of steel, because...
1: No, he throws up.
0: Okay, great. Yeah,
1: and he throws up on himself, and he's kind of like, yeah, like I said, he asks the controller. And
0: all over the cockpit.
1: A little bit, yeah, I guess. We I don't mean, really know.
0: Well, it's not gonna stay but on him. Yeah, okay.
1: The controller asks if he needs help. Richard said he knew how to fly because he'd flown the simulator.
0: <gasps> Okay, so this reminds me of, like, I mean, people say, well, like, I'm a virgin, but I've watched a lot of porn, so, right. so I'm a great lover. Right. No, no, no. No. You can watch porn all your life. It's not the same.
1: Well, I'm, I'll make the argument that you can fly airplanes all day on a video game, but until you've actually done it, you don't know what you can do. Right. Now,
0: That's the same with sex.
1: Richard kind of <laughs> knows what he's doing. I mean, it's kind of shocking.
0: Ugh, I would call that dumb luck.
1: I don't know what it is, but he's up there. and he's, The
0: frosting fairies are watching after him.
1: He's up there, and he's flying <laughs> the hell out of this airplane. Okay. Richard says he doesn't need help because he knows how to fly the airplane, but he says he'd like the pressurization to work because he felt lightheaded. Oh. So he doesn't know.
0: So is that ha- about how high he is? Is that because of the altitude?
1: No. No. I was actually about to comment, and I'm glad you got you got ahead of me on that one. He wasn't high enough at any point to really feel lightheaded from the altitude.
0: Oh.
1: He's just airsick, mm. and he's really wound up. It's,
0: Adrenaline.
1: He'd just stolen an airplane. <laughs> right. And he's up there doing loops and rolls. and. <laughs> oof. But this is, to my point, he knows how to do the, the large things. And this is what you learn in a simulator, is in a home computer-based simulator, you learn how to do the big, large things. Sure. You don't learn how to push the little buttons that turn on the pressurization and stuff like that.
0: Pushing little buttons is very important.
1: Very important. <laughs> this is what I get paid to do, okay? Yes. I'm a paid button pusher.
0: Nuance is important, Richard.
1: But this is what Richard was trying to learn back in 2017 when they were running the checklist and the flows.
0: But did he know? I mean, Sometimes you don't know what you don't know.
1: And in this case, we actually don't know if Richard was just up there hanging with his friend and doing it. Yeah. Or that they played video games together or that he's going through the motions. We have no indication. He never makes a social media post about it. He never told his friends or family. So we actually don't know if Richard ever planned this. Hmm. We don't know. Wow. The controller keeps prodding him carefully at times Richard is giddy from the maneuvers and flying the airplane and at times he's nervous he talks about how much the plane uh, how much fuel the airplane is burning and how he didn't expect that it would be burning that much and at times it's sad because he's remorseful quote I got a lot of people that care about me it's going to disappoint them to hear I did this I'd like to apologize to each and every one of them just a broken guy I've got a few screws loose, I guess. Never really knew it until now. Just, you know. Wow.
0: It's almost like he's sobering up, even though he wasn't drunk or high to begin with. But it's like a reality suddenly hit him. The adrenaline wore off. Yeah. And he went, uh uh-uh.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But at times, like I said, he's giddy from the maneuvers, and he's, like, yeah. chatty, and he's, like, he's really wound he up. He does
0: have a couple of screws loose. And he's...
1: And then he's remorseful and then he's nervous because he says the fuel is burning out faster than he thought. Yeah. And the pilot on the other end, the pilot is there with the controller helping. The pilot's like, don't worry about that, Richard. Let's just find a place for you to land the airplane.
0: They are. V- I mean, that's very patient, but I guess they just need to get him down safely so they can't chew him out yet.
1: Right. Yeah. Remember that Pearl Jam concert? Yeah. At one point, the the controller says to Richard, can you start a little turn for the left for me? If you go much further that way, I won't be able to talk to you, and I want to keep talking to you. And Richard does. He turns a little bit to the left. The controller doesn't tell him that he's heading toward the Pearl Jam concert.
0: So if he had not turned left, he would have flown over the concert.
1: What would have happened is the F-15s would have shot him down. (gasps) He's in danger now of essentially what the military had established as a no transgression zone. So there's 50,000 people in the stadium. So the controller's like, hey, man... If you keep going that way, I'm not going to be able to talk to you. I'm going to lose you on my radio frequency because a little static. Why don't you go ahead and turn left for me?
0: So let me ask you about controllers. That's like they have to be like hostage negotiators and, you know, competent airplane controllers at the same time. That's a lot of that person has a a lot of crisis calm. and
1: Absolutely not. (laughs) They don't have crisis training as far as I know. They don't. I mean, this is they never have to do this.
0: That, I mean, whoever that person was, kudos to them, man.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And these guys are so patient. They are chatty. I mean, they're just composed. Nobody ever yells. Nobody ever raises their voice. They should just get a like, raise
0: and a couple of donuts.
1: My God. They're just like, hey, Richard, just stay with me, man. Just turn this way a little bit. I want to keep talking to you. Uh, so this is going to blow your mind. At one point. Richard executes a maneuver in this big airplane called a split S, and he does it perfectly. And this picture will be on my Instagram. Okay. What a split S is, is where a pilot is flying level. He rolls the airplane over on its back, continues to fly level for a moment, then dives down and changes direction, flying away out the other
0: side. Whoa. That's like what you do in the swimming pool when you're doing laps.
1: Right, yeah. exactly. But this is a maneuver designed by military pilots to get away from an airplane that's pursuing them. So they'll flip the airplane over and turn and go the other direction.
0: Do you think he was just dumb, dumb lucky?
1: When he does the split S and he gets to the bottom and he pulls up, he is no more than 50 feet <gasps> off the sound. <gasps> he is basically <laughs> cruising right along the water and he is doing it at a lot of power. Whoa. So the airplane is cooking.
0: So the the video, who's taking this video? Is it the military planes?
1: No, there's actually shaky video from people. Because oh. this guy's flying around for a while. So people get alerted and they Holy go out with their cow. video camera. They're looking going, what the hell am I watching? What is going on here? There's yeah. two F-15s and a Dash 8. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They're right. going, what
1: is going on? So they're taking video.
0: And then we all assume the worst, because all of us or many of us live through nine eleven oh, and goodness, so you yeah. go. Yeah. I think
1: most people would assume the worst seeing F fifteens <laughs> and I mean most people would be like So and what going in back the to
0: the concert, sorry to digress. No, no, that's okay. But if you're gonna shoot a plane down uh to get it away from this concert. Yeah then isn't it going to land on people anyway when you shoot it down
1: so they set up essentially a no transgression zone where they where if you think of a map from the top okay they said if this guy crosses this line sure we're going to shoot him down because at that point we can shoot him and he'll Got it. the wreckage will land minimum clear. damage minimum damage the all wreckage right. will land clear and in this case they're trying to get all the wreckage in the case they had to shoot him down to land in Puget Sound Right. Okay. Don't worry about the boaters. The right. Don't worry about the boaters. <laughs> we want to make sure that-
0: Puget Sound is busy, man. Right. But anyways, but well, uh, yeah. We want better. to make
1: sure Eddie Vedder is okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He, they just, they're out to protect the general he's population. He's a
0: national treasure, my friend.
1: But he's barely able to pull up. Okay. Okay. And this is important. Then his intentions become a little more clear. Okay. The controller asks him, hey, there's a runway right over there to your left or whatever he says. I don't always have the exact words here because it it is a lot. But um, he basically says, hey, if you look over there, there's a runway. Why don't you go land there? And Richard basically says that he has no intention to land the airplane and that he's surprised he lived through the last maneuver.
0: Ooh, He has no intention to land the airplane ever? We're going to see. Okay. I'm
1: not sure. (laughs) You know as much as I know. Okay. So around this time, there's an orca. Okay. (gasps) There's a, Are we
0: killing whales in No, podcast? no.
1: But around this time, there's an orca that had been, like, really heavily publicized. The orca's calf had died. And the orca was just sitting next to the dead calf. And you could see it from the air. And there was footage, and it was like a sad story in the right. newspaper, right, and on TV. Richard asks for the coordinates because he wants to go see it for himself.
0: This guy has huge cojones.
1: I mean... He just barely lives through this maneuver called a split S, which is unbelievable to watch. What
0: is going through his brain? Uh,
1: Oh, I have no idea. So, the controller doesn't give him the coordinates. Yeah. The controller's like, hey, listen, why don't we just talk about landing that airplane? Richard replies with, quote, damn it, people's lives are at stake here. Okay. That's kind of a threat, right? Yeah. The controller says, please don't say that. Let's be serious. Sure.
0: Sure. Sure. That's
1: what he says. He keeps it together and it's just perfect. He's just like, hey man, don't say that.
0: I want to buy this controller a beer at this For point. real.
1: And Richard replies with, nah, I don't want to hurt anyone.
0: Wow. Wow. He's making this up as he goes.
1: He's totally making it up as Ooh. he goes. He later asks the controller, Richard asks the controller, if he could get a job at Alaska Airlines if he landed the airplane <sighs> successfully. <laughs> what? Again, this is all nonsense. Yeah. You know, he asks, can I, you think I could get a job at Alaska Airlines if I land this safely? And the controller goes, oh, if you pull this off, you pretty much can be hired anywhere.
0: So he's bullshitting him just to get him to land it.
1: He's just trying to keep it together. Yeah. Yeah. He's just trying to get Richard to be like, and he keeps reminding Richard, hey, there's an airfield right there. Right. Okay. And he's talking about this military airfield a couple of times. And Richard says, nah, I don't want to land there. I might hurt somebody. And also, if I land there, they're going to rough me up. Oh. So he's concerned yeah. about getting So like, he realizes
0: beat up. he's done wrong.
1: It's very clear that he knows that he fucked himself. I mean, he really is very aw- acutely aware wow. that what he's doing is.
0: He's deep. just digging himself deeper and deeper. Totally.
1: So what we should be taking from this is that Richard is like emotionally all over the map. He's emotionally confused. I'm just not sure he planned this. We don't have any evidence that he what, planned it.
0: So, you know, okay. So where's Hannah? Can someone call Hannah and bring her to the radio?
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. Can
0: she? I mean, you would think that th- that would come to their. We don't attention. know.
1: We don't know the status of their relationship. So.
0: And that could that could I be mean this could thing. be a
1: big thing. Um, yeah. it's that's purely conjecture. I have no sure. anything. I just know that he never even mentions Hannah.
0: Friends, this is what too much gluten will do to your brain, Mm. or sugar, or both. Okay.
1: The last bit about the Alaska Airlines. So that's the end of the recording. Approximately 1.5 hours after it all started, the flight data recorder shows that Richard knows the airplane over, and he started an intentional descent. When he was about 2,000 feet off the ground... He knows the airplane a little harder and 6 seconds later the aircraft impacts the ground on Keytron Island. Richard Russell is killed.
0: Wow. So, uh, where's Keytron Island?
1: That's it, southwest of Seattle in Puget Sound and it's a very sparsely populated island. Okay. So there's not much there. I think Richard knew that. Yeah. He knew wow. he knew that there wasn't anybody there.
0: So I wonder when he got in the airplane, did he mean this to be a suicide mission or was it a realization that he screwed up and thought th- and thought sadly that was his only way out?
1: We don't really know because the thing is his friends and family are adamant and they said to the Seattle Times paper many times that they- it was a complete shock. They were completely surprised.
0: And his wife too. I mean, yes. they were technically still married at this point. Correct. Wow.
1: So his friend, a good friend of his, says he was a face... Faithful husband, a loving son, and a good friend. Bebo was loved by everybody because he was kind and gentle to each person he met. So true to his word, and as the cockpit voice recording shows, Richard's intent was not to harm anybody.
0: Right. Except himself and anyone who loved him. Right. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about what the NTSB and the FBI says. So the FBI does an investigation, as the FBI would in a case like this. And the NTSB, which is the National Transportation Safety Board, they examined the accident. They determined that Richard acted alone. He was not linked to any terror organizations. He was merely a person with rightful and legal access to the aircraft. Right. And then he stole it. He learned how to fly it quite well, probably via a computer simulator. That's their statement.
0: Which computer simulator?
1: It's probably, honestly, there's a couple. There's X-Plane and like Microsoft Right. And there's a couple others, but you can get the Dash 8 Q400 pack for those. You can get whatever airplane you want for those. So
0: wouldn't the FBI and the NTSB interview his fellow rampers and be like, hey, man, did you ever hear him talking about doing this? And They s- did. And there was no premeditation that they know.
1: Nobody found anything. Wow. Nobody found anything. Nobody said anything. Everyone was shocked. They were all just like, what What the hell?
0: You know what? this the, To me, and I feel like, Every story I hear about anything uh, wrong these days goes back to, we don't have adequate mental health access in this country, (laughs) because clearly something was not okay in his head.
1: I can't agree with you more. Poor dude. I completely agree with you, and so do a few well-known psychiatrists that are on YouTube that yeah. listened to the cockpit voice recording oh, really? and did evaluations of his past. Yeah. Their best guess, and I'm not a psychologist, was that Richard was depressed. He may have planned the event. He may not have. We really don't know and we'll never know. Wow.
0: So have they taken, um, are there new safety precautions in place to keep Rampers from doing stuff like this?
1: Nothing has changed. Oh. Horizon is still a company. Rampers can still get on the airplanes. They viewed it as a fluke.
0: Wow. But they got lucky that he was able to handle the aircraft and not hurt anybody on the ground. So nobody died on that little island. Nope. Just him.
1: When he crashed, he started a small fire that burned two acres. Just two acres. Wow. There wasn't much fuel in the airplane. The last reported fuel was about 1,500 pounds. That's not much. That amounts to divide that by 6.5, and that's how many gallons it is. So what's that? Like, I don't um, know. It's a lot. It's public a little, math.
0: Yeah, math. Public, um,
1: public math so, is hard. But
0: I, I want to know more. And I know that you don't necessarily have the information, but I feel like we need to find Hannah. I yeah. think Hannah is the key to all this. Something I, was happening at
1: home, Anna. I think Hannah is the key, but the family refuses to make a statement. And the this was family 2018? Wrote, yeah. Okay. The family wrote a statement, a press statement, and refused to talk to anyone.
0: So they knew something was up.
1: I don't know. I, I wish I had an answer. I, I
0: mean, f- they, they I are feel entitled like... to their privacy on the one hand, but he also did potentially endanger the public, you know, on the other hand. So, yeah, I know. agree with you.
1: But the interesting thing, and also the name of this episode, his flying abilities earned him the posthumous title of Sky King.
0: Stop!
1: I am not kidding. Someone called him Sky King, and the press ran with it.
0: That's been. That's bana- <laughs> 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 well, he would have loved that. He
1: would have loved it. But, Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, that's the best I way to honor like, Richard.
0: Ra- okay, so this is conflicting, because he's an empathetic character.
1: Totally. He's but a he, really likable guy, too. But he did too. a
0: naughty thing. Bad thing. So you don't get to go out as the king if you do something bad.
1: I agree on a lot of That's people. That's not
0: setting a good example for the kids out there.
1: Agreed. And a lot of people have um, come have come with that same criticism that you have. It's like, why would you call the guy Sky King after? But I'm going to tell you why. If you watch the YouTube footage of this perfectly executed split S. I mean, the F-15 couldn't have done it better. It was perfect. Perfect.
0: Oh, he didn't Richard. expect to live through it. I want him alive. I have questions.
1: So many questions. So
0: many God. questions.
1: Um I and really...
0: now you and I are gonna once we stop recording, we are going to the YouTubes. Yes. We're gonna watch this yes. together.
1: This is all this is all there is. This is the whole wow. story. You, you've heard the whole story now.
0: That's crazy.
1: He stole an airplane, and he flew it, and he could fly it, and now he's Sky King. It, hey,
0: kids, we all have our fantasies, but you can't act on all of them.
1: I don't know, I, I but I feel, to your point, I feel like... Hannah has the answer.
0: Well, and Hannah's going to open a bakery now called Sky King. Sky King banana cakes.
1: That's what she needs. She needs to open a, a a catering service, and it would be like the it would be the side of the truck. It would say Sky King, and back up to the airliner, and they put all the meals on. And oh my god! But 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 I really do feel like Hannah has the answers. Yeah, the fam- I feel like the family has the answers. I'm not a hundred percent sure.
0: Like if we're speculating, like the marriage may not have been going well. Right. Or right. or something.
1: Now okay, so let me dispel a myth. Maybe not a myth. I came to a different conclusion than some of the some of the other commenters okay. online. The controller says, What are you doing, Richard? And he says, Well, I get minimum wage. Let's chalk it up to that. Ooh. And then he says something like, Maybe the management will make a change now. Oh dear. But let's talk turkey. I think that's just Richard. I think he's just talking. Yeah. I don't think he did this because they paid a minimum wage. Right. I don't think it's fair to say that Richard
0: organizing a union might be easier. I'm just right.
1: Saying. <laughs> or and getting another job. Yeah. I just don't feel like it's fair to say that Richard did this because he earned minimum wage.
0: Now, if you listen to the to the record, I know the roosters are getting the roosters. The roosters don't like what happened. Goodness. Um. Did he say anything like "Tell my wife I love her"? Say goodbye to my family. No. He was all about.
1: The most poignant thing that he said was the one that I read, you. He says, I got a lot of people that care about me. It's going to disappoint them to hear that I did this. I'd like to apologize to each and every one of them. Just a broken guy. I've got a few screws loose, I guess. Never really knew it until now. Just, you know. That's like the most poignant thing that he says.
0: That's so sad. It is sad. You know what that makes me think that like someone told, you know, like when little kids say like, I'm no good, I'm stupid. You know that some... Awful adult told them that, right? Right. So, like somebody said to him, like you got a couple screws loose, Richard, or something. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So many broken people in this world, Shannon. There's
1: a lot of broken people. Uh, The scary thing that I find as a pilot about this is that Richard has access to the aircraft in a way that's number one, completely unsupervised, and secondly, had he wanted to cause harm, he could have easily caused harm. Absolutely. So he could have placed a bomb. He could Oy. have sabotaged something.
0: He could have hurt Eddie Vedder.
1: He could have killed Eddie Vedder. <laughs>
0: and then where would we be?
1: And then it's on. He's no, he's no Sky King anymore. <laughs> no. Um, but that that's the scary part to me. And and you asked, so what have they changed? I don't know if there's anything they really can change, because you do have to set the brakes, and you do have to be safe, and you do have to monitor. I think the thing that you said, which is the most poignant, is access to mental health care.
0: 100%. And, and, you know, you and I are recording this shortly after the Capitol insurrection, and you have all these people who, who don't feel valued and who don't feel loved and who don't feel seen and important and heard. Right. And, um, and I it's think heartbreaking. That, I
1: think that that can contribute. I think that what you said really contributes to when he says they pay me minimum wage. Yeah. I think it's not that they pay a minimum wage. I think he feels very underappreciated. Sure. He's working really hard. They're hustling. He's in the heat. He's in the cold. He He's doing br- backbreaking labor. He feels very unseen.
0: So, like, I feel like this is more of an epidemic with men. Definitely. In, than women in this country. And here's what I think. I have my theories on this. As women, as a woman, a woman raising a girl and women see a girl who maybe's mom is checked out or not there for whatever reason, we tribe up around them. We go, Oh, I see a lost duckling. Come on, baby. You're going to come bake cakes with me. You're going to come to the park with me. And we, we tribe up around them. And, and men, part of it sadly is that men have that, Uh, unfortunate stereotype of like oh you're gonna molest somebody you know right yeah which women don't have so so whether it's for that or just the macho-ness that men don't do that with boys you know unless the boys have a good scout group or a good church group whatever there's just a lot of little lost souls out there
1: but remember that richard did have a church group
0: but he was leading it but he was agreed yeah yeah that's like a therapist
1: needing a therapist
0: right Sure.
1: Because right? they do.
0: And maybe he was seeing that that void in others, but he still needed it. And like and men, which, oh, this which, just goes on. Men don't have male friendships a lot of the time. Right. Which which get...
1: which actually dovetails into what you were saying is that he's providing it and he needs it. And he needs and it. And he sees that and that feels like a void in himself.
0: Yeah. And men don't want to open up to each other and be like, hey, I'm having a hard time with Hannah. Hey, I'm having a hard time with this. Right. I'm get, really struggling and, at and
1: work. And I'm struggling financially or sure. whatever it is.
0: And they don't. And so if you can't afford a shrink or you're afraid to go to a shrink or you don't have access to one for whatever reason, then you take an airplane and you fly around a mountain and crash it into an island.
1: It's crazy. Oh, that's heartbreaking. So let's uh, okay. watch the YouTube video. We'll go watch a split. S
0: Yeah. And people, if you need help,
1: yeah, reach out. Reach no, out. That, no, that, for
0: real. This is you know there's there's a lot of good online um, resources. Yeah, there are.
1: There's a lot of resources just with your family. Say something. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, and thanks for making
0: and it. And reach out to people. Before they get into the airplane.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Well, well, thanks.
0: That was exciting.
1: Yeah, that that's the podcast for today. You so. are a
0: riveting storyteller, my friend.
1: Well, thank you so much. And thanks for sitting here and hosting us on your farm. Yeah. I appreciate it. I
0: love having you here. Aloha. And,
1: and we'll do it again.
0: Yeah, for sure.